Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. Kopitar re-enters. Fiala to the middle. Cali up to Kopitar. He scores! Beautiful goal from... You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Kopitar wins the faceoff. Walker shot blocker save rebound. Score! It now, was left here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. I'm joined today by Andrew Knoll, who's going to help me crown a King of the Week and recap Week 9. But first... Help me perform a holiday miracle, Kings fans. I have a Purple Kings jersey that I've had since 2002, and all I want for Christmas is to return it to its rightful owner. If you know a Kings fan somewhere between 40 and 50 years old who lost their pro player Purple Kings jersey with the crown on front, Los Angeles written across the bottom, get them in contact with me. If their story matches mine, then the jersey belongs to them. I've already had one fan reach out, but alas, the details didn't match. Kings fans, let's make this miracle happen, please. All right, on to Andrew Knoll. Joining me now to name a King of the Week and look back at Week 9 in your LA Kings season, Andrew Knoll. How are you doing today, Andrew? Doing fantastic. Pleasure to be here, Jesse. Thank you. Now, for those of you who don't recognize the name, Andrew Knoll covers the LA Kings for... Andrew, who do you cover the team for? Well, we're a chain of 11 papers, but for Angelino readers, primarily the Los Angeles Daily News, but also the OC Register and nine other regional papers. So if you are someone who still reads a newspaper, chances are you have read Andrew Knoll's work. And if you have ever glanced up into the press box or seen the uh, the media scrum team walking down the halls at Crypto.com Arena, look for the tall gentleman with the... <laughs> easily the most colorful outfits uh in the media <laughs> ensemble um andrew i know i like to sort of tease you from time to time but honest to god how many different like hat jacket shoe combos do you own well it's a gray world you gotta add a little color uh, <laughs> sure. actually i recently counted my sneakers i'm i'm a little under 700 now which good is lord actually, are you serious that's actually a precipitous drop from where i once was uh wow. hats maybe about half that and then the outfits are kind of Helter Skelter. They, <laughs> I don't have a firm number for you on that. Okay, I was not expecting seven hundred pairs of sneakers. I, I know you've got a lot, but wow. Okay, so would you consider yourself a sneakerhead? Is that a derogatory term? I don't even know. I shouldn't. Oh make... no, I don't. I don't find it to be derogatory at all. Yeah, I'm probably one of the original ones. I've been uh, collecting for about thirty years, but uh, today wow. I'm more interested in geeking out on the engineering performance side of it. So, uh, yeah, I've pivoted into a little bit of a a gack head nerd, I guess, as far as footwear goes. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but all right, that's a conversation for a later date. Um, so, Andrew, I've I've given you the format. We're going to start off with your honorable mention for King of the Week this week. 
Yeah, well, I take this one. This is sort of a cumulative honor for uh, equipment manager, Bob Halfacre. You know, okay. A lot of great people in the organization and more coming on all the time, it seems. And I really appreciate what Francisco and Nano do in the booth and what they bring to the table for the franchise. Uh, but Bob's a guy that really embodies the, the selfless dedication that equipment guys bring to the table. And, you know, really early on in, in my time around the team, he made himself available as a friend. And, you know, he's just a sweet, endearing man. And for that and his really tireless service to the organization, uh, he gets my honorable mention. Okay, well, I'm going to go with Phoenix Copley. Um, call, excuse me. Recalled to the Kings after Cal Peterson was assigned to Ontario. Two starts, two wins, the only two wins in this week. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I think that Phoenix Copley should start every game. I know I'm seeing people write on the message boards and on social media, you know, Phoenix Copley for Vezina, and it's... Cute and it's fun and it's the kind of thing that you know you can get into as a fan. But um, the reality is, you know, he hasn't had a win in the NHL since 2019. But he gets not one but two this week. Comes in, stabilizes the position. It's been a rough year for Kings goalies. We can get into why later. But uh, yeah, so Phoenix Copley is my honorable mention. Andrew, your runner-up this week. Yeah, that's a great pick. Certainly a very timely performance. Uh, my runner-up. I'm gonna go. Also off the ice again, I'm going to go with Rob Blake. I think he's handled this early season turbulence really did well. You, did you talk to John Rosen? Did he put you up to this? <laughs> no, and I promised my winner is a guy on the roster. All right, perfect. But, uh, I think it's a pretty obvious one this week. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I think he's handled this early season turbulence really well. Um, and I actually kind of give him props for not running out and making a deal, even a small deal. Uh, hmm. You know, he's not trying to panic or rock the boat at all. And I think that's really consistent with his approach. I mean, even though. He's been vague. His kind of core principles and tenets have been clear. He has stuck with them. Uh, I think as time goes on, we see the wisdom in some of his moves. And so uh, I know the fan base is a little testy, some of them. So I want to, uh, you know, give him a little love as the uh, as the runner-up. Again, sort of in a, a broader perspective. But uh, as this has been another turbulent week, it seemed apropos to, to name him. Well, I'm glad that you made a nod to the fan base there, because um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you specifically is that you are not um, a Kings fan converted to new media. You are a, a you know, a journalist, an independent journalist working for um, independent publications. I think that that selection might raise some eyebrows within the fan base. <laughs> um, my mine's totally thrown me off my game here now uh my runner-up is going to be uh kevin fiala continues to put up points one goal three assists in the four games covered this week uh four points plus two and really just sort of continues to be the player that they thought they were getting um in every way and you know jim fox had said uh, at the uh just following the acquisition you know a player like that you get a player like that, you pay him what they're paying. He has to lead the team in scoring, and he's doing just that. So uh, my runner-up is Kevin Fiala. Then, Andrew, who is your king of the week? Yeah, Fiala was a guy I certainly gave some consideration to. Um, mm -hmm. Had a phenomenal year, and it seems we're getting his legs under him. But uh, to me, the, the winner this week was a fairly obvious one. I'd mean, be surprised unless he went off the board that he didn't have Kopi. I mean, three goals, three helpers, mm -hmm. plus three. Almost all his damage done at even strength. He won close to 60% of his draws, which is kind of par for the course for him. Um, yeah, really complete week for the captain. So he's my pick. 
No, and he is mine as well. You said it. three goals, three assists, six points, plus three. Um, a point on the power play, nine shots, 33% shooting percentage, playing under 20 minutes a game during that four-game stretch, winning 60% basically of his face-offs. Um, and, yeah, that's the kind of performance for a team that is – and I don't want to say they're struggling. We'll get into this again later. But for a team that is accused of struggling based on inconsistent results, that's the kind of stat line um, that you want from your captain. And so, yeah, I, th- this was one of those weeks where it was obvious. Um, so congratulations, Andre Kopitar, this week's King of the Week. All right, Andrew, so I mentioned earlier that the reason I wanted to talk to you specifically was because you're not a Kings fan. We have reached a point now where almost everybody that covers the Kings was either uh, a former season ticket holder like myself and Sean Hoven, um, or is a current, you know, self-identified Kings fan, whether it's, you know, hockey royalty or the Bannerman or, uh, sorry, Shoot, sorry, King's Realm. <laughs> I was blanking on their name for a second there. Uh, or even guys like Gan Matsuda, right, who have been, you know, self-appointed independent journalists for years, but they, they're they Southern California natives. They cover the team. So, Andrew, where are you from? Because I know it's not Southern California. Right. Actually, no, I, I was born here. Uh, and God, I, a lot I'm of my getting everything here. wrong today. <laughs> but that's okay. No, that is very confusing because I am somewhat of a, a geographical chameleon. Uh, okay. My, my dad's fa- my dad's family is from Philly. I've had a couple stints living there as well. And uh, so growing up, I supported all the Philly teams. Um, I actually went to the World Series, as you know, uh, this year. So mm-hmm. uh, I was still kind of doing that outside of hockey, which is convenient right now, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, uh, but I did spend a lot of time in the market. And I've lived outside the country for for long periods too. So I've I've worked in a lot of different markets. I worked for the New York Times for many years. Um, I did stuff for them, correspondence wise in South America. And I've worked with pretty much every franchise in the NHL, uh, much like Dennis Bernstein has. Um, and so we're kind of the two national guys there that have a basis for comparison. And that's one thing that I think is a little bit different. Um, and when Lisa Dillman was there, she certainly contributed to that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as far as, you know, what standard in terms of availability and access, how things interact with the PR, how things are scheduled and so forth, I think having some basis for comparison is helpful. And certainly as, you know, you guys interact with the rest of the league, that's, that's starting to come to fruition. I mean, we've seen that with Carlin. We've seen that, um, you know, with yourself and with Zach. I, I think it's coming around. But, uh, yeah, I just think uh, the broadness of breadth of perspective, I guess, would be uh, one main difference I see in this press corps versus maybe others that I've been in. Um, And the other thing is I I, I often wonder if that's maybe not a little bit by design that it's skewed so quickly in this direction. I think what you see there is uh, the team having a lot of control over the message, the way it gets out, the timing. and you don't have that necessarily the same way when you have a lot of independent media in the market, like we see in a place like Toronto or Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to jump in here because I want to address that point because I've seen it referenced in other places. Um, <clears throat> the Kings, as far as I know, I could have this wrong. Kings, as far as I know, pioneered the idea of having in-house uh, news coverage. 
when Rich Hammond joined. We had Rich Hammond on uh, earlier this year, and and we asked him about the origins of L.A. Kings Insider, and it really wasn't nefarious. It wasn't you know some sort of Machiavellian attempt by the team to control the message. It was right. simply a matter of local media not covering the team anymore, and sure. the team saying, "Okay, well we." can't we don't want to survive without anybody covering us as reliably as they used to so we will provide the coverage then over time for a multitude of different reasons we sort of wind up where we are now where the bulk of the coverage is done by people that work for the team or work for the um broadcast partner so it it I won't deny the reality, but I don't think it's by design. I don't think it's some sort of plot. Um, I don't. No, well, you know, I think I think the organization would prefer that we you know exist in a media market like a Toronto or an Edmonton, um, but we don't. Well, so certainly, I didn't mean to imply that there was anything sinister or uh, nefarious. Yeah, no, but other people have clear that out <laughs> right off the top. Sure, sure. Um, but the, you know, I'm just talking nuts and bolts effect. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. There's there's no question that uh, it's, a, it's a different dynamic between the team and the press, between the PR and the press corps, um, than, it, than in more diversified markets, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as whether or not that's by design, uh, you know, that's something that I would, would welcome dialogue on and would love to contribute to. Um, but yeah, as, as, as far as the road goes, I mean, I think if they have a desire to get independent media on board, then there has to be a dialogue there and there's got to be um, maybe a little, little bit different level of access because one player after games on the road, nobody's going to travel somebody and spend all that money for that. And similarly, getting one-on-ones and that sort of thing uh, is fairly difficult. I understand the Kings have been kind of getting the short end of the stick with the schedule. Um, seems like consistently happens to them, and that makes things difficult. Uh, but yeah, it just think that you know if, if if that is their desire they should make that known and then we could definitely have a discussion la times la daily news maybe even la opinion who has a huge presence in the market and see you know what it would take to to make it work on both ends yeah i mean th- these are conversations that have to be t- had well above my pay grade obviously but you know and i don't want to i have to be careful what i say too much here but the newspapers stopped sending beat writers on the road in 2007, I think. So we're, it's no longer a new reality. Like it's, we're, it'll be 20 years before, you know, we know it. Um, And honestly, I think it's, you see how, how loyal and how devoted a, a um, following a site like LAKingsInsider.com has. And all I, all I can think of is, the newspaper that originally had the LA Kings insider blog, because it was started on a newspaper. I think it was the LA daily news. Um, All that traffic that the LA Kings have had for the last 14 or 15 years is traffic that a newspaper could have had um, in an era where newspapers presumably are struggling to capture eyeballs. Anyway, it's a much larger conversation than I am equipped to, uh, to handle at the moment, but I appreciate your perspective. Andrew, and I'm glad to hear that the conversations are happening. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, that's you're talking to somebody who was uh, wringing his hands for years on end <laughs> trying to sure. first preserve and then later restore uh, hockey coverage in the New York Times, which uh, declined quite a bit in recent years. So it's pretty much non-existent now. And similarly, you know, I've 
pitched the idea of expanding the coverage here, of going on the road, all that sort of thing. Uh, I've also reached out to the LA Times about uh, their decisions with it. So it's definitely a two-way street, and I would love to see the uh, local media and also the national media take a, a stronger interest in hockey. Hopefully with ESPN and, and Turner now being involved, uh, that would be a push in the right direction as well. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, and, and we've sort of been skirting around it in this conversation, is that when you have a very narrow media presence the way we do in the locker rooms, and I, I see the comments on Twitter and I see the comments on the message boards and social media and everywhere, you know, why aren't th- why isn't this question being asked? Why isn't that question being asked? Why is the media going so easy? on the team and sometimes it's directed at me sometimes i get tagged in these conversations sometimes it gets brought up and what i always want to say when it is placed on my doorstep is i am not the media right i am a team employee this is a team publication this podcast so when we're going into the post practice media availability with todd mcclellan and the people in the room are me zach dooley jim fox daryl evans Carlin Bathe, you know, and then sometimes uh, Hoover, our producer from uh, Bally Sport, and Dennis Bernstein, that's the usual roster, the most common rosters. We're not going to sit there and attack the organization. No, nobody is going to sit there and, and start grilling the organization on some of these questions. And to be clear, I have thoughts and opinions about you know, lineup choices and deployments and usage and minutes and, you know, free agent signings and trades. Like I, I've been a fan of this team for 30 years, I think not longer. So, I mean, yeah, I have thoughts and opinions, but I, you know, the, the deal that I made was to not share my opinions as frequently um, as I used to. So one of the things I like to try and do is whether it's by emphasizing points that I can make, or directing conversations in certain arenas and and alleyways, I can try and not point the light exactly on the topics I want to have discussed, but maybe create a silhouette of the things that I don't discuss and hope that people can see the chalk outline on the ground around what I'm not saying. Um, So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as an independent journalist and one who's covered multiple markets is to say, if this team that you are watching here in LA, if this LA Kings team existed in a separate market, if you were not covering this team, it was just a team that you saw, you know, if we were talking about the Dallas Stars and we were saying everything that we have been saying about the Kings to this point in the season, what would your impression of that team be? What what would my overall impression of the Kings be this season? If if it was not the Kings, if it was the Dallas Stars, if it was a team that you weren't there, you know, because you're basically at every home game, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and you know, I stay in touch with people on the road too. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if if I were watching from afar, um, you know, <laughs> I guess I guess this goes to some of the things that that confuse me when I'm reading um, fans, and then some of the sort of blurred line of fans, the, the more the lower level bloggers and stuff, not the people. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, the, the people that are, that are getting their start and, and, and kind of cutting their teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I feel like the expectations for this team have just skyrocketed. 
you take a year where by any measure they overachieve relative to expectations entering the season, mm-hmm. relative to circumstances during the course of the season, relative to the talent on paper, any measure, literally, for them to get 99 points last year was a shocker to just about anybody. And if you replayed that season with the exact same circumstances a hundred times, I doubt they would get the same total more than 10 of them. I mean, they really managed a very difficult situation with injuries and that sort of thing. And they were already kind of going into a gunfight with a bag of rocks. I mean, they did a fantastic job at every level of the organization, players, coaches, ownership last year. And so I guess that speaks to just how high they vaulted the expectations with that performance because nobody's really seeing the potential for aggression. The fact that this is still a young team, but on the other end, it has guys that are maybe, you know, not declined, but in decline in key, in key places. And a number of other question marks in a league that's filled with question marks. It's hard to protect a lead in the league suddenly. Two-goal mm-hmm. lead is, like, very dangerous now. Uh, we're seeing tons of comebacks. Scoring is way up. Consistency. I mean, who's a more consistent franchise, more consistent roster, more consistent coaching staff than the Carolina Hurricanes? We just had them in here. Intensity. Stick to their system. From Brindamore on out. They've had tons of stretches where, okay, they lose four in a row. They win three in a row. They win five in a row. They lose three in a row. Lots of give and take. You, you look around the league, Toronto, Tampa. Those teams are on fire lately, especially Toronto. We saw what they did now. What they did in the beginning of the season. The Kings had two of their best games of the year, beating those teams as they were meandering. How many teams are really being consistent in the NHL this season? So I wouldn't look at the Kings from an outside perspective as being wildly inconsistent. From an inside perspective, yeah, maybe a little bit more. So I think that that's the fundamental difference that I see. Okay, so that's interesting. That is not at all the answer I would have expected, and I want to make it clear to anybody listening, you and I did not talk about this beforehand. I gave you a rough outline of what I'd want to talk about, but certainly didn't get any talking points. So you mentioned that last year it was an overperformance, and I agree with you. Um, And I had said down the stretch last year and even this offseason that I could see this team missing the playoffs this year despite a very clear improvement in the roster because Vegas probably should not have missed the playoffs last year um Vancouver made a push late and you know there are there are 31 other teams in the league that aren't the LA Kings and yeah. there are 16 of them or 15 of them excuse me competing for playoff spots in the west so there are some things that are simply out of your control so I will ask you this then, if you believe the number one um, source of discontent amongst the fan base is is uh, overzealous expectation, which is perfect for this podcast, then do you <laughs> think do you think that this team has actually improved or do you think that we're that they made a bunch of lateral moves from last season? Well, I think this kind of goes back to a question that a lot of people ask is a half full or half empty the glass, sure. right? And every glass that's half full is also half empty. So, you know, that, that <laughs> opens the door to broader analysis and in, in saying that how's the team improved in certain areas, it's improved vastly offensively, both five on five and exceedingly so on the power play. I mean, how long, this is something that goes other issues that I'm sure we'll touch on during this podcast. We could sort of, put into okay during Todd's tenure not to lay that in his feet but just to use that as a capsule of time whereas the power play is you know other than half of the season in 2021 and little spots here or there 
been a longstanding issue across administrations, management, coaching, personnel, et cetera. Uh, and now suddenly that's on fire. They've got the personnel there. They're, they're using it properly. Uh, that's come way up. And their overall potency as an offense, mostly due to that, but also five on five, uh, is, is very strong now. And their forward group is very strong once they get Byfield back in the mix. Now with AI, I mean, that's three scoring lines. That's a top nine. Any way they break it down, that's really formidable. I don't think you see that depth. I, no, no, no one team really pops out in my mind as having more potency one through nine. Um, and, you know, some of the top heavy teams, maybe you can make the argument because they've got one guy over a hundred, whatever. But, um, yeah, so that, that's come, that, that's definitely improved. Defensively, you know, I was thinking about it, they've all, you could probably count on your fingers how many man games they've lost on D this year. Two for yeah. Jersey, two for Edler, one for Dowdy, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that's five, uh, compared with last year. That's a vast improvement. So technically, while they may not have quite as many defensemen, they're pretty close. Um, they, they've got all their guys and on paper, it should be better. Now the fit is, is not there so far. The D forward exchange, especially, you know, sorting out the back check, we're starting to see issues creep in that were issues two years ago. Some things that have been persistent over the whole time. And, uh, you have to look at that. So defense, goaltending and the checking from the forwards are areas that seem to have taken a back, back step. So at the beginning of the year, I asked a bunch of different people. Uh, I said, if every sort of 50-50 coin toss for this team were to go the right way, um, I said, if all of the ifs pan out for the Kings, the ceiling for this team is really high. Oh, yeah. Um, of course, no you know, no team ever has everything break their way. And the teams that win obviously have a tremendous amount of things breaking their way. And teams have control over that. I don't want to make it sound like it's completely luck but this team one of the things that has not gone their way that is not that is (laughs) frankly gone horribly wrong is the goaltending and unfortunately i'm not smart enough to know if the goaltending is an isolated problem or is a symptom of a larger problem like you mentioned the the forward to d exchange or the d pairings whatever it is i've seen plenty of people throw out their theories i'm not going to pretend that i know what the answer is but sending Cal Peterson to Ontario implies at least that there's some belief that in his particular case, the issue isn't as simple as the team playing poorly in front of him. And yet, numbers-wise, I don't think at the moment that Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson's numbers are sufficiently different. Not, not that numbers are everything. They're very clearly not. But for somebody like me who believes that goalies are voodoo and, like I said, not <laughs> not smart enough to have an opinion as to what the root problem is, defense or goaltending, I mean, Quick and Peterson's numbers, I guess Peterson's goals against is slightly higher um, and his save percentage is slightly lower, but not, not by a lot. Right. Well, uh, yeah, it's a... It's a... A lot to unpack there, definitely, mm-hmm. and, and it's, certainly it's a complex issue. I mean, certainly the first thing you look at with the Kings on paper is they've got more money committed to goalies than just about any team in the league, and the teams mm-hmm. that have more have one guy making over $10 million, you know, the Bobrovsky's price-type contracts, and you think about the quality of goaltending they've been getting, you say, okay, there's a disconnect here, okay, that, that you just see right on paper, and that's not a this-year thing or a last-year thing, that's been, you know... Well, certainly since Cal signed the extension. So 
Uh, but then you say, well, you look at the way it lines up, they'll only really be paying them that kind of money for one year, and you can swallow that pill, then you look at the play on the ice. I mean, I think Quick has had more stretches where he's looked dominant, where he's put together full games, and he hasn't had as many outright soft goals. I mean, Peterson had a few, and they, they were they were backbreakers in some cases. There was a couple that Todd mentioned specifically. How often do you hear a coach yeah. do that with a goaltender? Um, you know, there was no more insulating because it was kind of naked to the world. And at the same time, they know he's very talented. They they know that he's the guy that they believed in, and they weren't alone. You know, you don't just give a guy $5 million because, oh, you feel generous. I mean, that's his market value. That's where they feel they have to make the move in order to keep him in the fold. So they know that, and they know that he's not going to improve playing every fourth or fifth game. You know, and they're not comfortable playing him every other game like they mm-hmm. may have been at, at other other points in the past. So I've talked to a number of NHL goalies and former NHL goalies about this, and they all said the same thing, that you have to play your way out of a funk, and there's no way to do that, you know, riding the pine. So that's why it's so big that Copways come in and stabilize that position, like you mentioned earlier during the King of the Week segment. And uh, furthermore, you know, this is important for Cal to be able to get the reps and piece his game back together. One of the things that upsets me personally, and I think I can talk about this, I trend very conservative, in my opinions, about team construction and, and team management. I'm really loath towards taking big risks. I don't like big swings. Um, in the stretch from 2011 to 2014, obviously the team was winning, so I was very happy. But I liked the fact that the team kept bringing back the same roster. Um, I never subscribed to the theory that you need new guys you need to shake it up to keep it interesting. I I might be changing my mind on that slowly over time, but but I don't love it when teams paint themselves into corners and looking at cap space right now, the teams that have maneuverability are teams that aren't very good and aren't incentivized to make big moves. So everybody keeps talking about Jacob Chikrin, you know, as the Kings being a potential suitor, other teams obviously rumored to get him. Arizona has $27 million in cap space based on what I'm looking at at cap friendly. And I grant you, I'm just glancing at it. I'm not doing like a deep dive on it, but Arizona is not in any rush to make any moves. There's nothing that they need. Buffalo 25 million, Anaheim 20 million. So, you know, a guy like Gibson in Anaheim is another player that people have talked about potentially leaving, but Anaheim doesn't have to make a move. Buffalo doesn't have to make a move. Arizona doesn't have to make a move. They know what they are. Meanwhile, the rest of the league is within $5 million of the cap with a couple of exceptions. And then you have teams like Boston, $50,000 away from the cap, Pittsburgh, 108. So this early in the season, if you start getting teams like the Kings, who have reached a point where the conversation seems to be, well, something has to change. Even Jim Fox said before yesterday's game, uh, I'm blanking on the opponent, not the Columbus Blue Jackets, but uh, the team they played. The night before, thank you, Montreal, even before that game, Jim Fox said on the telecast that Todd McClellan, you know, had a meeting with the players and said that they had one more chance or I don't remember the exact terminology, but there was no follow up on that story. There was no like or else what finish to the story, like one more chance or what the team will just keep rolling the same lineup out because they don't really have that many options. No teams do. I'm not trying to single the Kings out, but we're just in this point in the season where not a lot of teams have a lot of options. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this point in the season, you don't see trades very frequently. You either see early season trades to resol- resolve sort of off-season issues that lingered, mm-hmm. or you see stuff that gets closer to the deadline. But between, let's say, games 10 and 40 of the season, kind of a dead zone for trades, and especially with the stagnation of the salary cap, which I think we're going to see some upward motion in next year. Gary Bettman wouldn't tell me that when I knew it, but instead of the uh, Board of Governors meeting about three days later. But uh, yeah, um, we'll see that maybe loosen up a little bit unless teams just blow all their money in the offseason, which is always a distinct possibility. But yeah, for the Kings to say, that's part of the reason why I gave the shout out to Blake. He's not, you know, trying to make some dinky move or Mm -hmm. put the guy off the waiver wire that's a shot in the dark. No, he's just staying the course and knowing that the time where acquisitions uh, and also needs will come into clearer focus is approaching the trade deadline. That's when you know what you have in terms of long-term injured reserve cap space, what you can do as far as retaining salary, um, you know, taking shape with extensions. Maybe they get more signs soon, for example. They have just a lot clearer idea of the present and future as the deadline approaches. And right now, even if you're really motivated to make a move, there's not going to be a lot of willing partners for many of the reasons that you just mentioned. Well, and not only that, but and I, this is the one thing that that comes up in personal conversations I have with people. I, I think it's easy to say, well, player X is available. Let's just take Jacob Chikrin, for example, in this sure. case, because he's the name that keeps getting mentioned, even though I have said a number of times I'm not in favor of that move. Although if it happens, I will talk myself into it. Um, but Jacob Chikrin is a four point six million dollar cap hit. The Kings can't just package together two prospects, a high draft pick, and call it a call it a trade, right? Like you need to make four point six million dollars worth of cap space to make that trade work, and well, <laughs> and you know, there's only so many players on this roster that are even necessarily. I mean, obviously, all of them are eligible to be traded, and I wouldn't ever. Well, say that somebody's you know um what do you call it a a can't touch player but you know you look at a guy like kevin fiala who they just acquired and who is leading the team in scoring i doubt very much that they would move him to know kempe arvidson i follow more you know what i mean like there's only so many players that make enough money that would even be within the realm of possibility um so 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 if i if i'm understanding this correctly you kind of want me to you know look at the hypothetical possibility of a chicken trade or a similar no I, no because there, there are ways i mean there 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 are things that, that I, I could respond to as far as that goes but i just want to get a clear idea of, of what of what you i'm just rambling really saying at this point okay. you, even if the organization were inclined to make a trade right i i i'm not sure that making the trade wouldn't just make things worse right well, because losing give up right yeah. yeah, losing the kind of player it would take to acquire Jacob Chikrin is not necessarily going to stay. What you want to do is keep the things you're doing well, which you listed yeah. earlier, right? Scoring is way up. The power play is way up. And you just want to improve the areas that you're weak in. Right. But I'm not, sure you, I'm not sure you can pull it off with the kind of trade that people are proposing. Well, I give you a response. Uh, hopefully it doesn't ramble, but it'll probably be pretty long because we talked about a lot of different things there. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> so. Let's say Chikrin or player X mm-hmm. of high caliber and a four to five, six million dollar cap hit. Mm-hmm. How, how to bring him? Well, again, this is where waiting toward the deadline is beneficial because then you have a prorated cap hit. Right. Then you have teams that are on, certainly on rentals willing to retain salary. But in Arizona's case, 
let's face it, for them to eat $2.3 million of a salary for the next two years would be nothing to them. They're a cap floor team. They don't care about that. So if you really wanted to get adventurous, you could look at that and get his cap hit to be pretty low. Now, what are you giving back if not a roster player? Now, you could give back a roster player that you deem maybe expendable. I'm not going to name a guy because I think that would be unfair. But Appreciate I think, it. You know, there might be one or two guys that might come to mind, especially bringing in a defenseman. Um, you know, and you can massage you can massage it that way. But the longer you wait, the more options you have. They could potentially do it now. But again, I would say two things. One, you have to do way too many gymnastics to make it work at this point. Mm-hmm. And probably the number one obstacle is just acquisition cost. I mean, he's a guy who is under team control uh, for a couple more seasons. He's a left shot D that brings size, skill to the table. He's a guy that's going to be coveted. Kind of reminds me of when Colorado was hanging on to Matt Duchesne. They really waited it out and drove up the price and drove up the price and drove up the price. And I think that's what Arizona is doing. And I don't see Blake paying that kind of money for a player or that kind of acquisition cost, I should say, for a player, even though he kind of checks the boxes as far as his cost, team control, age, et cetera, um, you know, between health concerns, acquisition costs, and just how messy it might be. I think those are the impediments more so than the Kings cap situation, which could be surmounted presently with a lot of tap dancing and at the trade deadline with really not that much. Yeah, so there are, and there's another dance move you left out, which of course is that a third team could get involved. Right. Uh, Arizona or whoever we're talking about for whatever player could retain 50%, and then the team that they trade him to could retain 50%. And then by the time they get to the Kings, right, he's worth a quarter of that, whatever it is. But yeah. but that requires you to spend other people's money at a tremendous yeah. rate. Which for just, multiple years. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that seems tough. Yeah. It's a it's a well, it's a great rhetorical, but it's harder in practice to just say, Absolutely. oh yeah, Arizona stinks and they're gonna stink forever. So why don't they do us a massive favor? Like right. Yeah, that'd be well, great. At what cost? You know, that the, the cost just keeps going up with every right. with every backflip. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh but um but yeah it's it, the point is that all of this is uh, a lot more complicated, I think. And one of the areas that I get frustrated in, and again, a reason I wanted to have you on, is that I see these criticisms and I see these concerns and I understand them 100%, right? I'm watching the game. I'm texting with <clears throat> my dad and his friend and, and my own friends and I'm in group chats and we're all saying the same thing, right? The conversations are not that uncommon right kings fans care we want this team to win and as you said our expectations were raised perhaps unfairly so and i think people like me are partially responsible for that because we work for the team and we've been you know hyping the team up all off season but um but i do for enthusiasm too yeah yeah but i do appreciate your your um objective opinion because like i said i don't I've seen you wearing all that Philly stuff. <laughs> I don't I don't get the impression that you're emotionally attached to the outcome of this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you root for the guys in the room for sure, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's how could you not? You know, these are the guys that you see every day, you get to know, but uh yeah, as far as the Kings uh, you know, I always say that the check's clear whether they win or lose and I'm just here <laughs> sure. to, to write what happened as objectively as I can and uh, give our readers an idea. Well, before we let you go, where can those readers find you if they're not yet your readers? Yeah, with the LA Daily News, OC Register, the Daily Bulletin, the San Bernardino Valley Sun. There's quite a few, really. Um, 
got a lengthy archive of stuff on the New York Times website as well. I worked for them for about 10 years. So, yeah, and certainly anybody who wants to reach out via Twitter, Andrew Knoll, NHL, uh, love to hear from fans, love to hear from listeners, love to hear from readers. And just to be clear, it is Andrew Knoll with an with a K, A-N-D-R-E-W-K-N-O-L-L-N-H-L, Andrew Knoll, NHL. Um, and I recommend you follow him, Kings fans, because uh, every other voice you're hearing primarily <laughs> is uh, – is Kings fan. So for uh, an outside uh, view, we recommend Andrew Knoll. Andrew, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you.